Every day I get up and it's like, okay, God, I got to find that place that you've called me to be. And I just felt this peace come over me and just like, listen, I didn't call you to be one of those guys. Do you? I went in with this one notion. I want to make it hard for people to go to hell. Now, more than ever, it takes guts to live for God. On this podcast, we're talking to leaders, coaches, politicians, and industry influencers about what it takes to live the God kind of life. You're listening to the It Takes Guts podcast with Bill Shear. I want to welcome you back to the It Takes Guts podcast. I'm Bill Shear, the pastor of Guts Church. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm joined today by the Honorable Senator Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne, give us a little, just just lay out a summary of who you are, and let's get going. First of all, I got to make a joke about the honorable part. My <laughs> wife always thinks that's funny uh, because she she uh, she says she'll never use that term around around me. But you know who I am. I really break it down to three things. Uh, I'm I'm a Christian that's capable of screwing up every single day. Um, I'm a I'm a husband that's fortunate enough to have a wife that's been with me for since third grade. We've been married almost 26 years, and I'm a I'm a father. Of, uh, of, of six wonderful children. Um, each day I get up and I, I try not to disappoint them. But my life wasn't the real life that you would think that would lead to politics. I'm the last person in the world you thought would ever get into politics. You know, I, my, as I said, my wife and I have been together since third grade. Uh, we have we have been blessed to to grow together. We got married when I was 19. She was 18. I was wrestling in college. She was cheering in college. My dad fell sick right after that, and uh, and uh, we had a small company. He had a very small business uh, plumbing company and needed help with it. And he says, "Hey, if you want it, you can have it." And no, I'm shutting down the doors. The problem is it only had like four employees at the time, and my wife and I were two of them. So we were just married, needed a job. But I, I joke about that because that day I inherited a lot of debt. <laughs> I inherited uh, $240,000 of business, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, personal debt, and uh, $260,000 of debt in the business. What I mean by the personal debt is my dad had borrowed money right. to try keeping the company afloat. But I inherited it. It became my responsibility. And we went to work. And, and I say we went to work. We worked for for the next three years, we had one day off every 15th and 98, and that was it. And we worked around the clock. That company grew. It uh, it, it grew into uh, the, one of the largest service companies in the region, and then it grew into multiple different businesses to to everything you can think of in between, from banking to, to restaurants to everything in between. And, and what led us to politics was we have a saying in our family, you're never going to change anything you're willing to tolerate. And politics – became the biggest hurdle I had in in my company. What do you mean by how does politics get into play? Because of the business environment, because of the regulations, because of what's going on, they basically shut down one of my companies. And I thought, if that's my biggest challenge, then that's where I'm going. So the very first political event I ever went to in my life, I didn't even watch Fox News. The only thing I ever paid attention to politically would maybe Paul Harvey. This is how long ago that was, <laughs> you know, the rest of the story. But uh, but my first political event I went to, I didn't own a suit, didn't own a tie. I, I, I didn't even think, I don't even think I own a pair of slacks, but I stood up and said I was running for Congress. Uh, now, there's a lot of background on that. The Lord had been working and stirring something in Christy and I for six months prior to that. We just didn't know what that was and never thought it was politics. And that's what led me here, honestly, that path led me here today with you because I'm just willing to walk where the Lord takes me. But if you think about that, you're one of a hundred people, mm-hmm. and and then you know it's interesting because I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of tee this off, and then I'm gonna just 
see if you can just run with it. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I was talking to my daughter who lives in Florida and, and, um, and she, she's going to a church that is a big church and loves it and loves the pastor and loves everything about it. She, but, but doctrinally they, they, they've got this stop on their doctrine where it's like, okay, that, that might be a little extreme. And, and I, I've, I've talked her through this and in talking to her, I've kind of figured some things out that if you look at the, if the scale of doctrine, if it's, if it's this wide and if you cut off 10% of each end of the extreme and you live in that 80% middle, you could grow a huge church might not make a big impact really other than it's just a big church. Right. And people are comfortable and, it's probably similar types of people that are there. And, and I think that's how it is in government as well. I mean, I think that, you know, if, if you want a long career in politics or in government, um, if you shave off the extremes and you live in the middle, um, you probably could have a long career and maybe, I don't know, get a statue or something. Um, I, I just can't do that. I can't see you doing that. Well, I think you hit the key word when you use the word comfortable. Uh, leaders are never called to be comfortable. In fact, the comfortable part should be living in the unknown, pushing your boundaries. Because if you're you're called to lead, then you've got to you got to lead in the front. If you lead in the front, then you're going to be walking in areas that you're not comfortable with. That's uh, that's uncharted. Uh, that you've got to be you got to expose yourself and be vulnerable. You got to be willing to make mistakes. You got to will to be own those mistakes, but work past those mistakes. Don't let them be uh, um, uh, so so devastating before you get down the road that it runs and runs runs your credibility and runs everybody away. But there is a there is a point to where you've got to be sensitive to people around you. But if you're if you're leading and you're too afraid to make a mistake, I tell my kids that wrestle and in my family, you wrestle and like it or wrestle and don't like it. So choose your attitude. I tell people that if you're too afraid to lose, you'll never be bold enough to win. Right. And uh, in leading, leading a church or being in politics, you're in a, under a microscope all the time. And honestly, it can be debilitating at some point. It can actually get to you. And I don't know if you've dealt with that, but I did. <laughs> uh, I, I had to learn how to breathe. Yeah, vulnerability. Let me tell you something. You don't, you don't like, grow out of it. Right. Like, just, I'm telling you this week, I've got two decisions where they're probably 50-50 calls. One of them, I'm like, wait, this could lock me up. I can't, I've got to be free to make a decision. Right. And, and it's, it's a good decision if I say yes, it's a good decision if I say no. So, but so the point is, I usually land on the yes side of those decisions. Right. I, well, that's where I start. I don't start with no. I don't start with trying to figure out how do I get to no to eliminate. I start with yes. How do I get there? And then I start every morning almost the same way. I say, Lord, open the doors you want me to go through. Shut the doors that you don't. Give me the wisdom and the strength to know which one is which. Which is what he promises he'll do. Right. And give me the endurance to not leave one stone unturned because when you walk through the door, it's not always clear. Yeah. Uh, You got to be willing to go through it, but it's still scary. And so that comfortable part as a church, you're not called to be comfortable. You're called to push people, call them, call it for what it is. And in politics, you don't want to be to the extremes of one way or the next, but you can't be afraid to say way it, the way it is, you can't be afraid to take that position that that is against the norm. But you have the knowledge because you've been informed 
of why, what the right decision is. And, the, and in politics, they'll warn you against it because you're going to be chastised. You're going to be judged. Right. Uh, and everybody's got an opinion about it. But the great thing about me in politics is that this isn't my livelihood, nor is it my career. This is something I get to, to get to do because I felt like the Lord was leading me down that road. And when it's over, it's over, man. That'd be a great day. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm almost a hermit by nature anyways. Yeah, but you, you're at the end of the day, the the difference you make because because of that, because most of these guys, it's a career. It's like it, 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 the, the power, the influence, the it's, you know, there, there's different types of greed. I get greedy on the golf course. <laughs> I, I, not greedy financially. I get greedy where it's like, ah, I can make this shot. And it's like, you know, I'll be playing with somebody that cares about me. They're like, look, why don't you just lay up and then take, take par? How about that? Instead of double bogey. But, but the point is, is that when you said, when you were talking about comfortable, here's what Jesus said. I didn't come to make you comfortable. I came to give you a sword. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait a minute. So, there's a fight that's going on. If you get dropped in that fight and you're holding a sword, you better get after it. But the society thinks you should be comfortable. Right. Uh, and that's what they've told you, that you should be comfortable. Uh, but that's just not where we're supposed to be. I think I, I think everyone of the disciples were very uncomfortable uh, constantly. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it was it, 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 in, in Philippians 4, um, you know, we're, everybody qu- quotes Philippians 4.13 where it says, I can do all things in yeah. Christ who strengthens me. But if you read the whole chapter, it's actually about choosing your attitude. Right. Because you got to learn to live with and learn to live without and learn to live hungry and learn right. to live with plenty. And, and, and that's that all here. Changes. Yes, that attitude changes as you move forward. But we always quote the, the warrior cry. I can do all things through no, Christ right. who strengthens me. But it, it's, yes, you can if you have the right attitude moving forward. Well, and it's, uh, you, you know, it's funny because the term leap of faith is not in the word. But it, there's steps of faith is. But that step feels like a leap because it's like, wait a second, I'm leaving this this comfortable, common, this this ground that I've that that I've 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 been able to adapt to, and now I'm stepping in. Right. I've got to readapt, and that I, honestly, I think I, I I'm 65. I've done this a long time. Our church is over 30 years old. I've been in this over 40 years, and so I've been in the Word over 20,000 hours. So I'm thinking, okay, man, I could just I could put it in autopilot. Except for the world takes a right hand turn. It's like, wait a second, I'm in it. I've got to go with it, but I'm not of it. Right. And I've got to learn how to make an impact in a new world. Right. And, and that, oh my gosh, you look at politics, you look at, at you're going to Washington, D.C., and you probably, I, I don't, I, I can't, I, honestly, I can't imagine. And I probably, in our prep work for this, I probably should ask these questions so I don't just look like just, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But you had to go in thinking, okay, I can do, and then it's like, wait a second, there's a whole, I've got to fig, figure out the lay of the land. Right. There's snipers out here. And there's landmines. Absolutely. When I first went in, you know, you go in, I've been in business, my wife and I say I, my wife and I, we've been together since third grade. So we got married when I was 19, 18. There isn't any. Christy's amazing. Just so you know. There isn't any success that I've achieved that I would be in prison if it wasn't for my wife. I mean, I'm I'm very serious about that. She was the one that that pushed me to be better. So when I say I, just understand that's a mistake. It's we. Um, but when 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 I first went to D.C., I was under this impression I'm going to change the world. 
I'm going to change it tomorrow. I because, had that impression of you. But when you go, when you because when you're in business, you yeah. can make decisions. I mean, even in your church, sure. you have a board that you that you talk to. But if you really wanted to do something, you could talk your board into doing what you wanted to do. And and, and sometimes you, the ideas you have in your head, when they come out, you sound like an idiot. Uh, but those are those are words that you're speaking, that you're right. talking through to get to that next problem or that next solution. And in, in politics, I thought I'm going to go there and make the change because I, I'm self-driven and I can make it happen. When I got there, I realized real quick, one, how to take a deep breath. Two, I had to dig into history. I had to go back and start reading the Federalist Papers, understanding why our founding fathers set the government up like it is right now. People say, why can't you just get along? Our founding fathers set it up to be dysfunctional on purpose. They wanted. They didn't want a ruling class. They wanted it to have everybody have an opinion. That's why they wanted us to come re- represent our backyards. When you realize that, then you have to stop and say, okay, who are the real ones and who are the fake ones? Who are the ones that are – because it's retail politics. So who are the people that's just trying to build a career and who are the ones that's going to be working to get a solution to a common ground? People say they don't want you to compromise. Okay, I don't like compromising who I am, but you still have to negotiate. Right. So who are those people you negotiate? As you said, who are the snipers and who are the grunts? And uh, that you don't you don't figure that out overnight. It takes time. It, it, it takes time to sit there and breathe and see how you're going to build this network of individuals. In the House, it takes 218 people. In the Senate, it takes 51. So you can have the best idea in the world. It doesn't matter if you can't get your colleagues right. now in both chambers to vote for you because you can pass a bill in the, in the, in the Senate. If you can't get it past this, the House, it never makes it to the president's desk. So you have to build relationships. And I would say much like building friendships or building a business. You know, you have businesses that go in that grow up overnight because they buy their advertisement and they buy their employees, but they don't build their foundation. Right. Kind of like you saying, your church has been around for 30 years. You have churches that blow up all the time, right. but they have no core. They have no foundation. They have no discipleship uh, When because it, it is going to get rough at some time. And if you don't have that foundation built, everything's going to crumble really quick. And, and so that's the way I, I look at politics, too. Politics, unfortunately, isn't a short game. It's a long game. Right. Well, church, I've been accused of being steady Eddie. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm I'm the one that's. I would I describe like, you as steady Eddie, right? Taking yes. the risk, but but if you think about it, over thirty years, it's like we just get up every day and put our boots on and go. But you're growing each day because you're pushing yourself, right? You you choose to be uncomfortable, never satisfied, right? Never enough, and you know, I mean, I mean, so much of this that I appreciate your comments trigger the word flowing through me where it's like, okay, that's scriptural, that's scriptural, that's scriptural. And that's the, that's the key where that the, the thing about America that I, whatever side, I don't know how if right or left or whatever, whoever wins the, the, the mind game, the thought game is the one that's going to win. And, and that, because the way a man thinks, so he is. And our thoughts determine the words that come out of our mouth and the words are where the power is. So so in this, it, it, here's what's interesting, Mark Wayne. I, I have to stand before God and make account for people's souls. Right. I don't make account for what they do or what they say, but their soul, how they think, how they process things. And so now I've got I've to look at it, and I've got I've to look at what the Word says, and then you've got to make it, make it digestible, you know, where 
the where we rightly divide the word of truth to make it a digestible to people. It, see what's what's amazing about God's word? It's not designed to hear it once and then just go and live your life. It's line upon line and precept upon precept. It's week after week after week. It's like raising kids. Right. Pick up your shoes, man. You can't come in with muddy boots. You make your bed, brush your Absolutely. teeth. Take care of the small things so the big things don't happen. It's all small right. things. Right. And, and, you know, while you're, while you're sitting there talking, I, I, a thought came to my mind because you, you're talking about as a pastor, you know, you're called. You're called to teach. I mean, that you, you're called to, to, to speak the word, teach the word, shepherd individuals. I am not called to pastor. I, I tell people all the time, I, I, I speak, but I do not preach. Um, and it's it's honestly the calling and the obligation that's on pastors' lives, be it what church or what level it is. I'm in D.C. all the time, and and I see pastors or I see churches that have given completely. And I'm not trying to get political here in your podcast, but it's give, give completely to the world to the woke movement, right? Um, where they're not preaching the word. They're, they're making people feel good. That is scary because the word also talks about that. But for, for I, I just want to put people why the calling is so important for you to preach and preach correctly because Joseph Stalin, everybody knows who Joseph Stalin is. Yep. Um, Joseph Stalin, uh, and I'm paraphrasing it, but I'm pretty close to the quote here, said that education is a weapon and can be used depending on whose hands it's at and whose it's aimed at. So indoctrinating... Indoctrinating someone because of uh, indoctrination that the communists that want to be rulers over you and dictate what you're doing uses education to shape and mold your mind, as he said, is a weapon that can be used depending on who it's aimed at. And, and for you as a pastor, you have people that are sitting underneath you that are there because they're hungry for the word, world, uh, for the word because the world has deceived them right. or moved them, and they're wanting something. They go there not because they were ordered. They go there because they're seeking something. And the way you preach the word is just bring it. And, and you unapologetic, just bring it. Mm-hmm. And that's what people need. And for people that are walking around it, I feel sorry for them because it's I, I, honestly, I, it's dangerous. They have a calling on their life to speak the word, to educate the individuals, uh, to, to 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 listen from people like yourself who spent twenty thousand hours in the Word reading the Bible um, is amazing. We should absorb that. We should want that. And you shouldn't speak it any other way. And neither should any other pastor. And and when they go down the wrong path. What is it? Woe to them. Well, yeah. And uh, like, like to me, pastoring, the, here's what helps me is I boil things down and make it simple. The math's got to work. Like, like I'll hear things out of Washington. I'm like, mm, that doesn't add up. Yeah. Kiss. Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the way I pastor is the way I parent. So, I mean, it, it's that simple. Just re- Go to the basics. Go back to your base. I mean, you're a wrestler. You're a wrestling coach. It's like, man, find your base. Right. Man, get back to your base, okay? Because then yeah. you could get back into into control. If you're out of control, you can't find your base. You're going to get pinned. Right. And and the the thing that I I've learned about getting pinned or losing is I don't like it. Hate it. So so to, I I mean I've got story after story of being a little league youth sports when I was a kid. And and think, man, we can learn something by losing it. I'd I'd think, yeah, I don't like it. 
I got to do everything I can not to. You know, I I um I was I I won a lot more than I lost, but I did lose some. And uh, I remember one time I was six years old. My dad was pretty hard nosed. I mean, he he raised seven kids, and um, he instilled ethics and work on us. There was no question, and discipline was was a given. Those three are synonyms. You know yeah, that, don't you? Yeah. Well, it was <laughs> yes, truly. Uh, but he also was he also hated when you when you said I can't, mm-hmm. um, or he noticed that you gave up. That's and a so good dad. I, I was six years old and I was wrestling, and a kid threw me in a headlock and threw me on the mat. And I was convinced he was going to kill me. And I had a great idea how to get off the mat with him. I was going to pin myself. And so I was squirming, squirming, squirming. And when you choose to fail, you will get – it's 100%. You'll fail 100% of the time. I chose to fail, chose to pin myself. I pinned myself. I walk off the mat. My dad always had a uniform – like his work uniform on and a big wad of keys and work boots. I mean, big old wad of keys sure. always clipped to his belt. He grabbed me by the shoulders and I thought, I'm dead. I thought, I'm dead. I mean, I'm my life was fashion. I knew dad and dad grabbed my shoulders and he shook me. And he said, don't you worry about that. You fought to the end. Because see, you can deceive people that thinking that they, they will perceive that you tried as hard as you can and they'll give you an attaboy for trying, but mentally you know you gave up. And mm-hmm. I was laying in my bed, which wasn't a bed. It was a hall closet, but to me it was a bedroom. We had a little house with a bunch of kids in it, and I was the youngest, so I got the what was left over, and I'm literally in my walk-in closet. And I'm laying there, and I had this sick feeling to my stomach that I never had before. And I, I, and I hated it. I hated that gut feeling. And I made a decision right then that I will die before I ever give up on anything. I will die. I will never have that sick gut feeling ever again. Now, moving forward, I've got hurt a lot because of that. Uh, My wife tells me that I'm very stubborn. I tell her I'm very determined. (laughs) There's a difference mindset. But you can get used to quitting just like you can get used to succeeding too. It's just... Are you willing to be uncomfortable enough? Because I could have got up, but it was going to hurt for me to get out of that headlock. It was going to hurt, and I didn't want the pain to hurt. I wanted the pain to quit. Life is going to hurt. What are you going to do, give up? Right. Or are you going to walk through it? Um, I'll t- I, I've been in – I'm not a – politics isn't my world. It, it, I, I never ran for anything in, in school except from the police a few times because I drove fast. And – I fought a lot, but I never ran from any. I ran for anything, and uh, and so politics wasn't my world at all. But I have a saying in my family that you're never going to change anything you're willing to tolerate. Right. I don't want to be that person griping about the same issue five years from now and didn't do anything about it. In fact, don't talk to me about something unless you're willing to get involved in it. Just don't. Don't waste my time because uh, if all you're doing is venting and you care, you act like you care, then you'll do something. If all you're doing is venting, then all you're doing is just occupying air. You really right. don't care enough. And and I got fed up with what was happening in one of my companies, an environmental company that was that was operating all over the literally all over the place and it was shut down basically in one week because of the EPA. And that's what drove me to politics. My first political event I went to, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't own a suit, I didn't have a tie. Um, I don't even know if I had a pair of slacks, to be honest with you. But I just knew that I wasn't okay with doing nothing. And when I got to, to D.C., I can't tell you how uncomfortable I was. I mean, I'm, on, I'm working with guys that's got degrees from Yale and Stanford and Princeton and all these Ivy League schools. 
And I have a degree from OSU IT and construction management. Uh, I, 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 I was just, I felt overwhelmed. And I sat and one time I was on the steps and I started praying. And I was like, Lord, why? Why, why would you put me in this position? I, 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 I don't, I'm not going to say hate it because I hate using the word hate. But I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm out of my league. And I just felt this peace come over me and just like, listen, I didn't call you to be one of those guys. Do you. Yeah. Just be you. And I thought, okay, just be me. And after that, I just went to making relationships. Just just let's get to work. Let's make relationships. Uh, I'll use you for your expertise. And I've got experience that you never have because you never fired anybody or signed a paycheck. And I have. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I'm thinking about it that you – Everybody probably goes into ministry. Everybody goes into politics where it's like, oh, my gosh, I can affect positive change. I can make a difference in people's lives. I can, I can, like, like to me, I went in with this one notion. I want to make it hard for people to go to hell. That's a great, so, that's, that's a great motivation. Let's do everything we can do and just make it. I know people are going to fight you and, and they're going to end up in hell, but I'm going to make it hard. I want to make it as hard as I can for people to go to hell. Well, but then you get, you, you get where your world gets confined and all you see is, you know, the, the, the house chamber and the, the, the Senate and, and all I, all I see is, is it's church service. It's cause it's, it's Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday for me. And then I go out and I look around and I, and I'll talk to people and I'll interact. I'll be like, wait a minute, this, this, we've got to go to the highways and the hedges. I mean, and, and push things out that direction. And, and I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you, but, but that's where you're vulnerable. It's man in, in church. I get up and I get to hold court. I mean, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, but I'm holding court. It's like, right. okay, man, here's what the word says. I, I get it. People disagree. Understand if you disagree with the word, you're wrong. Okay. So, so at least look at the word. And so for you, probably most, if not all your colleagues came in thinking, I can affect positive change. I can help the families. I can help single mamas. I can help people. And then you get closed in and then there's, and, and I'm telling you, there are, there are lobbyists in the church world and they are cunning. They are smart. They are sharp. They have sales abilities that are like, you know, and then I, I'll step back or I'll, I'll go to my wife, Sandy, and we'll be talking and she'll say, Bill, <laughs> this is not what we bought into. Right. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember. Right. And see, and that's what, you know, in the Old Testament, they, they built altars and, they, and they, they, put, they put stones down. And when they walked by again, they remembered what that altar was. They remember, they remember what, what happened. They remember the miracle of God. They remember, well, in this, in this new and better covenant we have now, that altar's in us. Right. And so we got to, I've got to, every day I get up and it's like, okay, God, I got to find that place that you've called me to be because I get to make a decision on what kind of man I'm going to be. Okay. And every day I got to choose. And then throughout the day, I've got to choose. I'm going to be a man of God. And let me tell you, the world's going to reject that. And so I'm, I, I think I'm down with it. I'm not going to win a popularity contest. I'm never going to be called a celebrity pastor. Um, but let me tell you something. I'm going to hit the ground well, I'm running. I'm going to start calling you celebrity pastor every time I see you now. <laughs> you know, but but what you're what you're talking about is choosing your attitude, which is what Paul was talking about. Right. You know, you, you can get jaded 
in ministry, right. and you can get really jaded in politics too. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I hated politics, hated it with everything inside of me, and I was bitter to the Lord for, for pushing me this way. I mean, truly, I was bitter. I, I, I Four years into it, and I was done. You're blaming God. I, I'm like, why <laughs> did you put me into this? What's the situation? You know, our businesses were being affected. Everything was coming after us. Um, but I had got away from the from understanding I'm exactly where the Lord wants me to be. Because if I'm praying every morning, the Lord opens the doors that he wants me to go through and shut the doors that he doesn't, then when I walk through that door, I have confidence because I know that everything's checked along the way. He didn't say it was going to be perfect, but I know that I know that I know where I'm at is where he wants me to be. And that's my, where I can fall back and say, wait a second, my glass isn't half full, my glass is, is, is or half empty, my glass is half full. I choose my attitude to have a good day, no matter what's going on, no matter what the media is saying about me, no matter what the world is saying about me, no matter what social media is saying about me, I know that I'm confident I'm where the Lord is at, where it wants me to be at. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. I tell everybody I'm one mistake away from being exposed as a huge hypocrite that I am. I'm, I'm, I'm man and I'm flesh. And if I don't keep my focus on the Lord, I can mess up tomorrow. I can mess up today. I, I can mess up the next hour from now. But I, I, I choose each day after I went through – I was actually in – I'll tell you the story how I actually changed my attitude towards this. I was, I was in a, uh, uh, on a vacation with my wife in Jamaica, and we were this close from leaving politics. I was done. If it was up to me, I'd already left. It's like you're it's like Sandy holding you accountable. Sometimes I really hate it because I'm like, I hate when I admit that she's right because I don't want her to know that. I'll sure. apologize to her, but I'm going to tell her she's right. That's different. Uh, but I, I, was, I, was, I was done. And Chris said, Mark Wayne, I, I don't know. And she says, I'm the one making the sacrifice because you're the one gone all the time. I'm raising the kids by myself. I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't know if that's accurate. So I said, well, let's go on a trip with the family. And every morning, this thing had a pier. We had we were at a house, and it had a pier going out there in this lagoon. And uh, and we'd get out there and we'd do our devotion. We were there for I I I have never taken an eight day vacation ever in my life, uh, ever in my life. And we did full eight days. I told my office, I said, "Don't you call me unless my phone unless it's emergency." I shut my phone off and gave them the phone of the house and said, "That's that's just call me then." We were and our plan was to find out if we we're in politics or not. And uh, it's early one morning. We're seeing the sunrise. I get up early. She hates that, but I get up early. And uh, I'm reading, and I don't even know what I'm reading in the Bible. I, I just don't. But I have a hard time telling people I love them. I did. had a hard time telling people I love them. The only people I ever told up until this point I love them was my kids, my wife, and my parents. That's it. I thought when people say they love you, it's like, you don't know me to mm-hmm. love me. You know, totally different. But we're praying, and the Lord, and the Lord just started really dealing with Christy and I. I always say speaking to us, but I've never heard his voice. I just get stirred inside. And um, and he, he, he got to put a phrase in my heart, love the people, love the call. And I was like, what? And Christy looked at me, and she says, and at, almost at the exact time, she says, we've missed it. We haven't enjoyed this. We haven't enjoyed the, the, the Lord's calling. We haven't truly looked at this as an opportunity to help people. And that's what she said. As the Lord has put something in my heart, love the people, love the call. And I looked at her, and I started I started tearing up, and she started tearing up. And I looked at her, and I was like, oh, my goodness, we're going to do this again, aren't we? Because I was having to make a decision if I was going to run for office again. And um, and ever since then, I, I, there's very seldom a day that wakes up that I don't say, love the people, love the call. And if I speak to people, I tell them I love you. I tell you I love you. Yeah. Um, it's it, it changed my perspective. And sometimes when you're going through something, you need to change your perspective 
and know where you're at is where the Lord wants you to be. And if you don't know that you're where the Lord is, then you need to spend some time. Maybe you're not right where the Lord wants you to be. That doesn't mean you quit. Right. Because the Lord has never told me to quit something that he didn't call me into something else. I mean, he was leading me, obviously, into it's something else. It's always next steps. Yes. And, and, but, but if you know that you're where the, Lord, where the Lord wants you to be, that's all you need. You can find all the confidence in the world. I can go through anything. I don't care what it is. I don't care if I'm in Afghanistan. I don't care if I'm in, 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 in Tachikistan I don't care if I'm in South America. I don't care if I'm in the comfort of my home. No matter what's going on around me, if I know where the Lord wants me to be, I'm good. I can have the greatest attitude ever. I'm just, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I and learn to embrace the suck sometimes. Yeah. And that's okay. Man, I want to thank you for watching. This podcast is going to be two episodes. So thank you for watching this first one. Look forward to the, please look forward. I'm, I'm looking forward to the second one. Um, man, God bless you. Man, live the best life you can. And thank you for watching.